For some of you, it's your first time. For others, it is not. But for today, I would like to welcome you all to Epic Realms. Friends and enemies, heroes and villains, welcome to Epic Realms. Today's guest is a young adult fantasy author whose books feature mystery, magic, and a witty dialogue. Her newest book titled Thief, Liar, Lady is now available in bookstores everywhere and Audible. Please welcome Destiny D.L. Soria. How are you doing? Did I say it right? I know, I know there was, I've seen, I've seen there's issues. It's like, it's like Gloria, but Soria, that's how it's pronounced. Yes, you said it right. Thank yes. you. <laughs> I nailed it. Awesome. I'm curious, could you tell us in the audience the story of your, uh, because for a while you were Destiny Soria, and now, you know, your newest book is DL Soria. What was kind of the uh, antithesis for, for that transfer, that little change in the newest book? Uh, it's pretty simple. My earlier books, Iron Calf, Beneath the Citadel, and Fire with Fire are all young adult fantasy, and Thief Liar Lady is my first adult fantasy. Um, so I just wanted to sort of delineate the difference between my young adult and my adult okay. um, so that maybe my teen readers wouldn't accidentally pick up something oh. that they didn't want to read, which is not to say they can't read it if they don't want to. I know when I was a teenager, I was reading um, way above my pay grade. But right. I just I wanted them to be separated on the shelves, basically. Or vice versa. Sometimes, you know, actually more often than not, a lot of young adult is read by adults. <laughs> Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, very popular, especially these days. It's been been quite the trend to to read the young adult, and I think it's be able to go. I don't have to worry about all the adult themes. I worry about day to day. I can just enjoy this, you know, enjoy this story. So, so it's yeah, nice well, to I've know already that had people who sorry, I've already had people who are like, oh, I started reading this, and then I realized like halfway through, oh, this is adult. This is not young adult. And oh. I'm like, I guess it didn't make much of a difference to have the different <laughs> name on there, but okay. <laughs> I tried. That's okay. That's okay. I it was because sometimes you never know. Sometimes it's like publishers or whatever. Like we we need to change your name for whatever reason or this. So it's I was I had to find out if this was a you decision, if this was them decision, if it was just like an overall, or if it just was happenstance. Uh, so I had to ask. I was like, let's let's lead off with this because people are going to be curious about that change, about the little delineation or difference between that and this. So. Uh, it's good to know, and we'll definitely talk about that. The, some of those books here in a bit. Um, let's rewind a little bit. Let's go back a little bit further. Was Destiny as a child a a writer, a you know very attendant and good in school, and liked to do writing and that kind of stuff, or were you not? Well, I let's see. I found an old diary of mine back when I was probably like six or seven in which I expounded on how much I hated English and how much I loved math. And I wish I never had to do English again. I just want to do math my whole life. 
And then literally in the next few years, it completely swapped over. Now I can't do math at all. I regularly have to ask my friends to do simple multiplication for me. <laughs> I'm right there um, with that. But, but I love English, obviously, and I majored in literature. And I wrote my first book when I was, it must have been very soon after I wrote that diary entry i guess i changed my mind pretty fast but i wrote a book called horses of all time that was written on notebook paper with uh illustrations done in crayon of you guessed it horses of all kinds um and it was a gift for my aunt and that was my very first book and i have been writing ever since that's great any thoughts of like bringing that into the modern and redoing it redoing it <laughs> doing a modern novel of horses of all kinds yeah. <laughs> well one of them was um was because they each had their own like name and then like what was special about them and one of them was named balls <laughs> because he had balls all over him. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know i i'm sure it was literary genius at the time i mean my mom thinks that it was a really good book, so I guess I could always try revamping that. It'd be funny. It could be complete with the crayon drawings, right? Yeah. <laughs> My aunt still has it, actually, so I could I could scan it in and be like, oh, that'd publish be great. this. That's done. If nothing else, you just put it as like a blog or a you know on a post somewhere some someday. Be like, this is you know this is then and this is now or or anything like that. You mentioned college. Uh, how much did you enjoy college? Was that the purpose? Was like, I want to write books, so I'm going to go to college and to do literary, literary stuff, and that was the whole point? Or was it just like you were there and you kind of found your way while you were in college? Um. Well, I started off as a journalism mass comm major, um, and then I realized I wasn't a big fan of journalism or mass comm. And sort of got lured away by the English department because I was like, oh, I can just read books and like talk about them for four years. Like, why wouldn't I do that instead? And, you know, the English professor I was talking to was like, yeah, if you think that, then you need to be an English major. <laughs> so um, so that's kind of how I got into that. And I. At the time, I was I was writing a lot um, and I did start writing the book that would eventually get my agent, even though it wasn't my first book that was published. I did start writing that in college. Um, but I, I didn't really get serious about getting published until after college because I had thought in my head that getting published was more of like a an older person thing of like, oh, you've got to be like 40 or 50 to get yeah. published. Yeah. Um, and then one of my really good friends in college, Catherine Ormsby, actually got her first middle grade published. Um, and she she publishes uh, middle grade and YA now. I think she has some graphic novels coming out with Disney. Don't quote me on that. Okay. Um, but after I saw that, I was like, oh, she's, you know, 22 or whatever. And she's got her first book published. I was like, oh, so you can just kind of do it whenever you're ready to do it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so after that, I really like, I kind of, you know, put my head down, started, you know, researching everything. And really, she helped me a lot 
uh, along the way. It helps a lot to have somebody who's already been through it to sort of give you pointers. So I owe a lot of that to her. Uh, yeah. And then my first book, Ironcast, came out in 2016 when I was 26 years old. What was the process for you? You talked about getting a getting your agent. What was because not everybody does that right away. Not, not everybody starts off. Some people don't even know how to do that. What was kind of your process of getting a literary agent uh, at the beginning there? Uh, I followed what is probably what's considered the most quote unquote standard way of getting a liter- literary agent, which is that you have your manuscript. Um, and I'm talking about fiction here. You have your manuscript, you write query letters to the agents that you would be interested in representing you. The query letter is basically like a, here's what my book is about. Here is why I think you would be interested in representing me. And it's a very long and grueling process. Uh, Lots of people are at it for years and years and years before they find an agent. Um, I was pretty lucky and uh, queried for less than a year before I got my offer. But yeah, it was a pretty, I, lots of people put a lot more research into it than I did, which I admire. Um, I literally Googled literary agents, YA fantasy, <laughs> and then just kind of went down with a list. Right. Um, and then did research on the individual agents to like make sure that they represented books that were like the books that I figured I would be writing in my career. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, it started off pretty, you know, literally just a Google search. Um, and then I kind of dug in and started making my spreadsheet. And that's when all the rejections start rolling in. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I was pretty lucky in that I signed with my agent uh, less than a year after I started querying. Okay, that's great. That's actually a pretty good turnaround for time, though, from, you know, from all the people I've talked to about that, that process. Like that is fairly quick. So that's awesome. It happens like that sometimes. I had read and correct me if I'm wrong. I had read that you have a little bit of history with uh, tabletop role playing and Dungeons and Dragons. Is that accurate? Uh, yes, just a little bit, though. <laughs> just a little bit. Are you being are you being facetious when you're saying just a little bit? Uh, no, I'm being serious because my my um my group was actually my current well they started off as my writing critique group now they are just like my friend group but we we all sort of discovered several years ago that we're like hey we all kind of want to try D &D." i um i always was really interested in it in high school but this, this is not me being facetious i didn't think i was cool enough to like do it i don't know i thought all the people who like played it were like so like cool and interesting and i was like i'm not that i was like i can't do that um i was very shy in high school um so yeah i'm a little bit sad that i wasted all that time not doing it uh but then yeah me and my friend group we just did like virtual uh sessions but we uh lost one of our players so we haven't started back yet so i i've been you know kind of looking around for a group but it's kind of hard to find you know, a group that fits your schedule. But yeah, it is something that I really like to do. Have you done anything besides D&D, any of the other type of games out there? Because there's so many uh, genres and things from superheroes and, you know, just other versions of fantasy or, you know, modern day stuff. I mean, there's 
a million different tabletop role playing games out there. Have you have you done more than D and D, or have you pretty much stuck to D and D? Um, I actually just for the first time a couple weeks ago tried out a game of Blood on the Clock Tower. Okay, which I had never heard of before. Um, but you know, I just moved to South Carolina from Alabama this month. So I was just kind of looking around at different groups, trying to like, you know, see where I could plug in. And this group does a game every Saturday. And I was like, I've never heard of this before, but I Googled it and I was like, sounds cool. Like, you know, like mafia on steroids. (laughs) So we, uh, yeah. So I joined that group and, and played a game a couple weeks ago. It was really fun. That's great. Have you ever thought about doing like a tie-in fiction, you know, tie-in to, you know, any of the D&D or, or that game or anything of that nature um, with your writing as well, being being that you've played it and you kind of understand that? Because we have a lot of we have a lot of authors and guests on here who do, you know, they've written D&D books or they've written for uh, uh, like a Mutants and Mastermind system or any of that kind of stuff. Have you ever thought about doing anything in that genre or are you planning to just stick to what you've been doing so far? I mean, I've thought about it. Um, I I wouldn't know how to get started, I guess. So if anybody watching, you know, is a publisher or something out there, like, sure, I'll do it. You know, if you want to okay. send me the offer. But, but I can't say it's something that I have pursued necessarily. Yeah. For role-playing, do you prefer to be a player or a GM? I ask this everybody who has ever role-played. GM or player? Or oh my god, it's hard. I like both for different reasons. I like being a player because I I always play chaotic neutral because I just like making a nuisance of myself um, <laughs> and just doing whatever I want. Um, but I also really like being um, a DM because it is a lot like writing a book. But the fun thing is that it can get away from you a lot faster than a book can, which is not to say that books don't get away from you because they do. The characters take on minds of their own, but in this, you know, in games like D and D the players get to make their own decisions. And so having to sort of think on your feet and have all these different, um, all these different ideas in play all the time is really fun. Uh, our DM for our games is a genius and always such a sport when she would come up with, you know, like the most amazing settings and cities and things. And then we would end up going off in a completely different direction, right. <laughs> doing something co- totally different. <laughs> and she would just roll with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the joy of role playing. You mentioned about how characters that you're writing can get away from you. Are you the kind of person who like kind of writes by the seat of their pants? You have kind of an idea and then you just go and see where the story takes you. Or are you very much like an outline sort of person or, or a combination of the two? Or something else. Uh, I am very much a quote-unquote pantser, so I don't hardly ever plot my books. I usually have some kind of an idea when I get started. I occasionally know how it's going to end and not how I'm going to get there, um, but more often than not, I just sort of have the general premise and maybe a couple random scenes in the middle that I know I want to put in, and then I just start writing. Um, I fast draft usually um fast is relative here (laughs) (laughs) i i try to fast draft um but yeah so i usually have a really messy first draft that is just like complete nonsense 
And then I go in and um, edit that down into something that actually makes sense. Do you have something that's like, this is an inspiration and that's where you get going? Or how do you get that initial start on a, on a story or a book? It happens differently for different books. So, you know, for example, Beneath the Citadel, um, which is about a group of teens who live in a city that's ruled by prophecy, was inspired by an episode of The Twilight Zone. I was watching it with my roommates. Um, I think it's called The Obsolete Man. But it just starts off with a man who's like on trial in front of this like high chancellor who's up on a dais. And that's really the only thing that kind of it has in common is like I just saw that in my brain just immediately like these characters sort of came to life. And like that opening scene just sort of like jumped into my mind's eye. And I like got up in the middle of the episode and went and got my laptop and just started like writing little notes to myself. And it really just like came from that, even though like it doesn't have anything to do with like the Twilight Zone episode itself. Like if you watch the episode, you wouldn't think that it was inspired by that. But yeah, so that was like that's probably one of the weirder ways that I've gotten inspiration. (laughs) Is there a reason that you decided to go with uh, your first couple books as young adult books? Uh, Yeah, I guess so. I. Let's see. So I told you, you know, I've been writing my whole life. Yeah. Um, When I was 16, I read a book called The Prophecy of the Stones by, uh, I'm going to mispronounce her name, uh, Flavia Bujor. She's French, I think. Um, And she was 16, I think, when she published The Prophecy of the Stones. Um, And I read that book knowing that's how old she was you know, the same age as me. Mm -hmm. And I just fell in love with it. And I was so inspired by the idea that like somebody my age could like accomplish something like that. And that was the age when I first decided that I wanted to be published at some point in my life. Like I, I really distinctly remember being in my bedroom and thinking I'm going to get published one day. That's what I want to do with my life. Um, and So, you know, I obviously read a lot of books when I was a high schooler. Um, And then as I got older, I just sort of realized there is a or there used to be a dearth of books with characters that looked like me or um, were like me in various ways. Um, And the book community has gotten a lot more open about that now, a lot more honest and publishing has gotten a lot more diverse mm-hmm. um, with help of like a lot of organizations. Like we need diverse books um, and uh, people of color and publishing and different organizations like that have made a really big push in the community itself has made a really big push to make it more inclusive and diverse. But yeah, when I first started writing, I, I was just kind of struck by the idea of like, I want to write books that I would have wanted to read when I was 16 and the books that I wished that I could have had when I was 16. Yeah. Um, so that's what, that's what was really important to me when I started writing. I know that some of the, uh, some of the reviews that I've read on your books, very many of them specifically mirror everything that you just said. 
that's what you that's what you wanted and those are reviews that i saw that said this is what i also wanted and now i finally got it um so that's really cool for you to say that and i'm i don't know whether or not you read your own reviews or not some people do some people don't (laughs) but there are plenty of them out there that said you know very much mirroring that even to the point of saying i can't believe that the cover of this book has somebody that looks like me on it and i thought that that was like man that's really moving that really means a lot to a lot of people out there because for a very long time yeah it was very much one way everybody was this you know was the same looked the same and uh to get a little bit of diversity and and inspiration out there for people is really awesome and so you've you've done that you've accomplished that so that's great Oh, thank you. Do you have any other inspirations, any other books that were an inspiration for you or are currently an inspiration for you when you're writing? Uh, Let's see. My current favorite book is Uprooted by Naomi Novik. Um, In the other room, I have four editions of it. Um, have Pride of Place on my uh, mantle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I would say that uh hers was a really big inspiration sort of in the fairy tale retelling uh which is what thief liar lady is it's a retelling of cinderella um so she's probably my biggest inspiration and so you know thief liar lady is with uh del rey uh which is also naomi novick's publisher so like you can imagine my excitement when i yeah. got the offer from del and i was like that's naomi novick's publisher. <laughs> maybe one day i can meet her yeah. I haven't yet, but maybe one day and I will not be creepy and tell her that I have four editions of her book <laughs> sitting on display in my living room. Everybody listening to this podcast right now, go ahead, put it out there in the world, put it out in the world. I got <laughs> time for a meetup right there and make sure to tell me it's four copies of the book. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she can be like, oh God, did you hear about that creepy author? <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, let's be honest. If you put yourself in her shoes say five ten years from now somebody comes up to you who's a writer and says that they have four cop different versions and copies of your books would you feel a little creeped out or would you be like that's really cool yes i would think it was cool but i'm i'm also a weird person though so i'm not <laughs> sure if my i'm not sure if i can trust my judgment all right fair enough <laughs> Do you do you ever look to other genres for inspiration as well? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, so Ironcast is a historical fantasy. So I read a lot of historical fiction, uh, mostly from the 20s, but I also went into like the 30s and 40s while I was researching for it. Mm-hmm. It's actually my only book that I had to do extensive research in because my other ones are either high fantasy or contemporary fantasy. Um, so that one definitely, I had to draw a lot of inspiration from historical fiction, um, and just the way that it gets presented. And I had never read a lot of historical fiction before that. And a lot of times during the writing of it was like, why am I doing this again? I haven't, I haven't read, like there's, there's not even any historical fiction on my shelves. (laughs) So it was actually really exciting because it helped me to sort of um, expand my horizons and uh, network with a lot of authors that I otherwise would not have met who were outside of my normal circle. So that was really fun. I found authors come 
come uh, uh, come together quite a bit and are very supportive of each other. And I think that's really cool. And so I really honestly think that that's, um, that's something that is seen a lot amongst authors is supporting each other and talking to each other. And, and you know, like you had said, let's talk a little bit about Ironcast. How, how did this book kind of come to being? You mentioned that it's kind of a historical fiction, uh, historical fantasy. And why, how does this differ from, say, like an urban fantasy set in the 20s? Um, I mean, I guess you, it's a little bit semantics. You could call it an urban fantasy okay. set in the 20s. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Uh, it's the sort of idea, the general idea of the magic system, which is uh, the concept that magic is channeled via different forms of creative arts. So um, artists and poets and musicians all can channel very specific forms of magic, uh, but that magic has been made illegal, uh, sort of mirroring uh, prohibition. Uh, so, which forces them to go underground and sort of do these magic speakeasies. And that's the sort of concept of the magic system had started off as like a contemporary fantasy idea, actually. Okay. That I'd written a very rough draft of. And the more I thought about it, the more I don't, I don't even, I honestly don't remember how it happened. It just like occurred to me that like it would be perfect set during prohibition because it would be the perfect mirror. Yeah. Um, of that time period um, and just like a really good vehicle for sort of exploring some of the ideas of that time period. So, yeah. So then I was like, okay, well, why not? Let's do the roaring twenties. I can always like change it if I want to. Um, and then I got halfway through and was like, okay, yeah, this is like, this is working. This is what it needs to be. But then I was like, oh crap. Now I have to like actually learn about the twenties. Right. As opposed to just like my knowledge was literally just the fact that I had watched the movie version of the musical Chicago a hundred times <laughs> in high school. Uh, love it. And I was like, I probably need a little bit more information than that about the twenties. Is there anything from this book? Cause obviously your first book going in, there's all, all kinds of firsts, you know, your first getting it published and getting it out there and first, you know, reviews and all that kind of stuff. Is there first editing process was there anything that you learned a lot from from this book that you still to this day go back and go okay i did this and this thing this is what i learned um any major things that you learned in that doing that book i mean one of the main things that i learned and i think probably most authors have a similar experience is just that the reality of publishing is always going to be different than your expectations and you sort of have to find a balance between hoping for the best then also don't let your hopes and dreams be crushed by the wheel of publishing because it loves to crush people under its weight. Um, uh, so it's like, it's a very delicate balance and see, like it's the sort of thing where you, you learn it the hard way the first time because you don't really have a choice. Um, it just kind of comes and hits you in the face, but then you have to keep relearning it for every book afterwards. Um, so yeah, so I'd say it's something that I learned for the first time then, but I would not say that I have learned the lesson now and no longer have any problems right. <laughs> with getting my hopes up too high or anything like that. <laughs> That's fair enough. What is your favorite thing 
about the iron cast if you could pick one thing that like you loved about that book whether it's you know art or a story or a specific character development or whatever it is what's one thing that you're like you really love about that particular book uh probably the friendship between the two main characters corinne and ada um they have a true ride or die friendship um and i just really loved writing that a lot um, and it really meant a lot to me to have a book with two female characters who had that strong of a friendship because I have that sort of a friendship in my life with my best friend. And so I'm, you know, I was like, I want to see that in a book, you yeah. know, that really true, like, just, you know, all the way, doesn't matter what happens, we've got each other's back. Um, so that, that was really fun to write. And really meant a lot to me that it was in, you know, my first published book. So the next couple of books you had, Fire with Fire and Beneath the Citadel, how did those kind of differ from, from Ironcast? So Beneath the Citadel is uh, high fantasy, mm-hmm. and it's an ensemble cast. But, I mean, it does have a lot in common with Ironcast. There's sort of the uh, heist element to it, although it's a the heist is the bigger, more central in Beneath the Citadel than it was in Ironcast. Um, and then it's, you know, it has a lot about found family and friendships and the way that you can, uh, blood doesn't always define who your family is. You can choose Um so that's how that's not answering your question because I just told you how they were similar, but that's okay. That's okay. What, but uh, it's uh, <laughs> the same with uh, Fire with Fire, where it's although Fire with Fire is more about blood family because it's about two sisters. Yeah. Um, and I have a sister of my own. Uh, so it was a lot, not not 100% based on our um, relationship, but sort of the dynamics of what it's like to have a sister. Um, so that was something that I really explored in that one. And that was really fun. Do you ever write characters? Speaking of that and having the sisters and, and whatnot, um, do you have a lot of characters that you're like, I'm writing this character and this is the person I am picturing and I'm just writing them into the page in your books. I know a lot of authors do that and some of them say, no, I try my best not to do that. Uh, do you do you have any of that where somebody opens a book and if they know you, they like, oh, hey, I know this person. If I did, I wouldn't admit it. Because <laughs> what if they hated that character? But I don't, though. I don't. Um, I I might take aspects of relationship or I might take certain character traits of like my friends or or even more often I'll take a character trait of theirs and then kind of twist it to fit the story a little bit better. Um, so, you know, I, I, it'd be, I'd be lying if I said that the people in my life have no, you know, effect on me and don't inspire right. me at all, right. but you wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be able to pick any of them out of a book. Yeah. <laughs> the exception being that in fire with fire, I actually used two of my really good friends names <laughs> As, as like a throwaway line of some like dragon um, hunters because I was just writing the first draft and I was like, oh, I need to put some names. And so I just like literally put their names in there and then came around to edits. And I was like, I asked them, I was like, do you mind if I just leave it, leave your name? And they're like, sure. And then I 
I used my aunt. Uh, she's a chem- high school chemistry teacher. And at one point in the book, I reference a high school chemistry teacher. And I was like, well, I might as well, you know, use Miss Word because uh, <laughs> that's her name. And uh, when she found that out, she started uh, reading that portion of the book to all of her classes. Just to be like, look, I'm in a book. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's good. It's free publicity, right? It's doing it to the classes. Yeah. And now all those classes are like, oh, I'm really interested in this book. See, there you go. It yep. works out. She does her part on my publicity team. Where, kind of kind of skipping around a little bit here, people can see that are in our live stream can see scrolling images of the covers of your books. The covers of some of those books are just so fantastic. Did you go to different cover artists? Did the publishers come up with the cover arts for some of your books? Uh, did you have any say in that? Kind of walk us through that process. Uh, so for my books, and this is usually the case with traditional publishing, I was not the one who came up with any of the designs or the cover artists or anything. Uh, my publisher, they usually, usually publishers, just speaking generally, will ask, you know, what are some, you know, cover comps that you like, you know, different books that have sort of the same vibe as you would want on your cover. Um, and then they might take that under consideration or they might completely ignore it. Um, sort of their prerogative. Right. Uh, so yeah, so mine, I just got really lucky in that all of mine, I think have been really spectacular covers and the, I could really tell that the design team and the cover artists really put a lot of care and thought into the design and into like understanding the book itself before they, you know, they didn't just slap a cover on it. Right. You could tell that they really understood what the book was about. Um, so I felt like I got really lucky, but I didn't have anything to do with it. I cannot take any credit for any of them. Well, you wrote the book, so that's the credit you get. <laughs> but honestly, <laughs> that's, covers, that's all I can do. <laughs> covers sell books. I, I don't know how many times I've picked up a book and looked at the cover and go, I'm getting this and then read the back. And, and, you know, long before anybody ever suggests anything, you go in and you walk through and you look at the covers. And see what's mm-hmm. cool. oh that's got a wizard on it that's really cool that's got a really cool skull you know digital motif like that's really awesome or it's got this really cool like artsy dragon picture in the case of fire on uh, um, fire with fire so yeah it's really awesome covers I love yeah. them all I think they're great and uh, yeah you definitely did luck out on getting some amazing amazing covers there. Yeah, it really works in my favor with, you know, social media, because a lot of times you just get that split second of somebody scrolling. Yeah. And so I feel like all of my covers uh, sort of give the bonus of people pausing to give them a second look, which is nice. And that's always something I use when I'm doing some of these shows, because obviously part of it is to promote you, the guest. And so some people don't necessarily know who you are. And so it's really cool for Mm -hmm. me to go, here's some covers of some of the things that they've done. And either A, they go, oh, I recognize that book. Or B, that's a really cool book cover. I got to check out what it is. So it's a win-win. And so social media, like you said, you put it out there and, you know, it draws people in. And those definitely are some great, great covers. So when we're talking about Fire with Fire and Beneath the Citadel, I want to do the same thing I did for Ironcast. What is your favorite thing about each of those two books? If you could just pick one. Um, Probably with Beneath the Citadel... Probably the main character, Casa, who is 
Um, the the inspiration for her character was kind of the concept of like the asshole genius, which is typically a archetype that um, is dominated by men. Uh, so you see it like with like Sherlock Holmes or, you know, any number of right. male characters who are, you know, really jerks, but they're really smart and they're always right. So they get away with it. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I want to write that kind of, cause I like that kind of character. Um, I'm not ashamed to admit that I, I will always like that kind of character. And I was like, but I want to, I want a girl to be able to do that. I want a girl to be able to just sort of be an unapologetic asshole, but like she's a genius and like her ideas work. Yeah. So she's allowed to be a little bit of an asshole. Um, which is not to say her friends don't call her out on some of her bullshit, but, um, so I had a really fun time writing her and then fire with fire. Uh, I mean, I already talked about it, but like writing the relationship between the two sisters, between Danny and Eden, uh, was really my favorite part about it. Cause it was, I'd never really written dragons before seriously. And that was actually my first contemporary fantasy. So I'd never really written in contemporary before. So it was like all this stuff that was really new to me, but their relationship, like I said, I have a sister. Um, so the relationship felt like something I already knew, like really deep down. Um, so just putting it out on the page was really fun for me and really kind of wrestling with different dynamics of how you can love somebody so completely and yet be, they are the person who can drive you the most crazy out of every other person in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that, that was really fun. Mm -hmm. So your new book. The Flyer Lady uh, is out now, right? It's out, and people can yes. get, get it now. What? Uh, tell us a little bit about this book. Tell us, tell us the premise of it, if you will. So uh, it is a Cinderella retelling in which Cinderella and her quote-unquote evil stepfamily are actually con artists who are grifting the royal family. Um, that's my elevator pitch. Um, and I have found that that's usually all I have to say yeah. before people say, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> what can people look forward to with this book? Um, as with all of my books, there is an excess of witty banter. Yes. Um, <laughs> there is a female lead who is kind of an asshole sometimes, but she's really smart, so she can get away with it. Um. Uh, there's very complicated sister slash stepsister dynamics in there. That was really fun to write. Uh, there is a very good dog um, who plays an important part. Um, steals the show, I would say, on occasion. Uh, there is only one bed at one point. Uh, which is one of my favorite tropes. And I was so happy that my editor let me keep it. <laughs> um, and other than that, just lots of intrigue and murder and lying. Or I've said before, lots of thieving and liaring and ladying. <laughs> <laughs> and when you explain it like that and you look at the title, it's like, oh, I get it now. I get it. That's great. <laughs> when you're putting together this book, because you mentioned this one is more of an adult book. How how much of a divide is that between the other books 
uh, that you've written, and then now this one going from young adult to adult, and was that a difficult transition for you? It was not a super difficult transition because I read a lot of YA and adult novels, and I already sort of had um, every author will have a different idea in their head of what the difference is between right. like their YA and their adult. So for me, it is that my YA novels uh, tend to be more hopeful because when you're a teenager, you still got your whole life ahead of you. Um, you're ready to take on the world. And you're learning all these new things about the world. And so for me, it's really important to like maintain that hopefulness that you have as a teenager, that that idea of like, I can change things um, and that sort of empowerment. So it's really important to me to keep that in my YA novels, because that's who I'm writing for is for the teenagers. Right. Uh, in my adult novel, it it shifts because I think once you're an adult, you just have a different mindset about the world. There are lots of things that you know that you can't change and that you'll never be able to change. And part of being an adult is learning to recognize those things and learning how to live with it um, and how to still, you know, make a difference in your own way. And so for me, that was the big thing with the flyer lady is that um, there's a lot of aspects of it that are, you know, a little bit depressing because it's like, okay, there's not like this perfect happy ending where justice prevails and everything is fair because the world isn't fair. Um, but we just kind of all have to do the best we can um, and, you know, hold on to the people that we love. And so for me, that that was the big difference in writing them. Would you say that's kind of like the uh, the main thing you want people to walk away from after reading this book is to to get that that sense of like life life is life and you do the best you can or is, do you think that there's yeah. something else some more other things or something bigger that they can take away from this book well i think that would be a fair if, if you just walked away with life is life do the best you can and hold on to the people you love that is i would be happy with that that's great that's great do you have any plans on on making any sequels or or you know series to this book or any of your previous books uh, no, generally in traditional publishing, that just kind of depends on if the publisher wants, um, a sequel or a series, um, and mine don't, you know, it, it there's a lot of factors. Typically it just has mm -hmm. to do with how well the book sells, um, and if there's good potential there. So, you know, it's not really up to me, but, uh, yeah, no, no sequels are planned. I guess I could write one if I wanted to, but, you know, just have to like post it on yeah i don't know somewhere self my website or something yeah 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 <laughs> what um what other books do you got do you have anything else on the horizon stuff you're working on stuff you have coming out uh coming up down the road i do i have my next adult novel with del rey but uh, it does not have a title yet it is i think coming out in 2024 we'll see um that was the, the scheduled date but um, you know, publishing changes right. in the blink of an eye. Uh, the pitch for it that sold it to my editor is that it is the good witch meets you've got mail. Um, so it is a contemporary fantasy rom-com, just like a witchy rom-com, very different from anything else I've ever written uh, because it was my pandemic book. Oh, that okay. I, I started writing 
while uh, Thief Liar Lady was on sub with different editors. And I was just like, I'm tired and depressed and lonely. And I had COVID at that point for a long time. Um, and so I was like, I just want to write something that I've never written before. That's really happy that I don't, I'm not thinking about anybody else ever reading it. It's just for me, just for fun. Um, so that was really fun to draft, but that is why it is so different from anything else that I've ever written. Uh, but it was really fun. Uh, and then, you know, when I told my editor about it, she was like, yeah, let's, let's do that for your next book. And I was like, okay, I guess that means people are going to read it now. <laughs> they like it. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Do you have any other genres that you really want to try and write? Something you're like, I really want to branch out and try and write in this genre or that genre sometime down the road? I, I maybe would like to try my hand at writing horror because I love reading horror. Um, I don't know if I'll be, I would be any good at writing it because I haven't really tried. Um, but that's definitely pipe dream of like, maybe one day I'll be brave enough to like try my hand at writing a horror manuscript. We'll see. That's kind of a fun way of putting it. Someday I'll be brave enough to do horror. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Destiny, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I, I really appreciate you being here. I know the listeners are going to have a great time and have had a great time thus far listening to this episode. So I appreciate you coming by. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. You can be found at destinysoria.com, correct? Yes. And you're on Instagram, the Destiny Soria, S-O-R-I-A, for those that are listening. That is right. Awesome. Guys, go and check it out. Go into the website. Go and find all the books. Buy all the books. Purchase all the books. If you're on Audible, go into Audible and get, get your books on Audible. Uh, or, you know, say hello on Instagram. Go and give follows and keep up with all of the things. I want to remind everybody that September 11th, we're going to be joined by the voice of Scooby-Doo and Shaggy, Scott Innes. He does all kinds of voice acting as well as radio. We're going to talk about his career, his convention schedule, how he got his job doing these voices, and way more. So that podcast will be available for download September 12th. Again, live September 11th. Also coming up, we've got all kinds of guests coming up. Author Retsy Bruno's got a lot of stuff out there is coming up. Multiple genres. That's going to be on September 25th. New York Times bestselling author and actor Wesley Chu is going to be joining us. Urban fantasy author Heather Harris is going to be joining us October 23rd. The winner of the 2023 Diane Jones Award for RPGs, Connor Alexander, is going to be joining us on November 6th. The author of the D&D Cookbook, Michael Whitworth, is going to be joining us. All kinds of people. So stay tuned. Click all the buttons. Follow everything. Subscribe. Click all of those buttons. It helps us and helps our guests. So for Destiny, I am Nick. Thank you for listening to Epic Realms. Well, there you are. I hope you enjoyed yourselves, and I do hope that you come back and join us again for Epic Realms. <laughs> <laughs>